Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Where else comes to be pretty like me? I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that we have never complained that a compromise is a compromise. Right, Jason? I guess. Can you quit saying right, Jason? <laughs> no, I can't. You know how much pressure that is? <laughs> Come up with something, dude. Today. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, dude. Well, dude, today's yeah, dude. title is, yeah, dude, it's a compromise. Uh-huh. Why would I complain that a compromise is a compromise? <laughs> we'll see ah. later in the episode. How about that as a tease? Mm-hmm. Six feet away. <laughs> I am your host, Brent Taylor. Six feet away is the guy who is never shy oh. about giving his opinion, Jason Donner. Is that how I come off? If well, anything, you always I, chip in when I say I right, chip Jason. In. <laughs> I chip in. Oh, you mean with us a microphone there? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I in just like episode. to fade away. I'm going to talk at the beginning of every one of your sentences. <laughs> That'll be okay. <laughs> It gives it that authentic sound. I want right? to relive some of our best moments. I've been thinking about turtle soup. Remember turtle soup? I do remember. Remember that are, conversation? Are you thinking about the uh, I'm thinking official about 100th episode that's coming I'm, up soon? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, like all the good times, all the mediocre times, <laughs> all the All, all the, rest. the subpar times. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I want to look back on that. Cottage cheese. Oh, yeah. Whole mm-hmm. episode on cottage cheese. If you the, haven't listened uh, the to The River that, Queens. That was fairly recently, too. I don't remember any of them from, like, the first 50. Yeah, so that'll be like our titles. to dredge it all up, Let's right? dredge it. Yeah. So this is, uh, in this episode yes. of Old Kentucky Tales, our main event will examine the Compromise of 1850 and what it can teach us today. Hmm. Very important lessons there. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. I like beer. Taking hold of the vent, the public has on our fine superlative beer. People find that they thrive on a good, pure beer. Health, muscle, and vitality improve. It gives the working man backbone and the sedentary vitality and vigor. For a delicious beverage, there is nothing equal to it. Lexington Brewing Company, for sale by Henry Turney, Paris, Kentucky. <laughs> beer for the sedentary, right? Yes. <laughs> That's that makes great. no sense. I think the more if anything, beer you it makes have, you, the more yeah, yeah exactly. you're just gonna sit there. The more sedentary you will become. That's true. There's a little kid on here, and it, you know it's like a little baby, and a, a man is holding the baby, and he's like ripping the man's hair out of his head. Yeah, it has is nothing the to baby do with the on the beer? <laughs> the baby uh, has vim. I think the guy needs the vim. Does he to keep up is with vim, the baby? Vim's good though. Yeah, vim's vim vigor. Is energy. Energy. It's vitality. Yeah. It's it's spon- it's not spontaneity at all. It's it's energy. Yeah. For beer. Yeah. Okay. Why do you say I like beer at the beginning? Do you know why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not in the ad. I'm just curious. No, it's not in the ad. He was actually talking about a, a Tom T. Hall. Tom T. Hall. Yes. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> Let's talk about that just for a minute for the older people. When I was a little kid, did you know the song? I'm familiar. You with like it. to act like you're a lot younger than me, which you are. But you like to remind people. Not a lot. Yeah, Tom T. Hall. Whole song about liking beer. 
and it makes him a jolly good fellow. I can't believe he came up with that, but I knew it. <laughs> My childhood research, I used to hear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of childhood research, right? Pipe yeah. tobacco and Pipe tobacco. handkerchiefs. Fizzle Wait. bottoms. <laughs> right. I looked that up. We said it last week, but it's not a thing. Unless no. we call it a thing, a fizzle bottom. It's a new we thing it, as of right uh, yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. You want to move on? Ah, let's move on. Now for the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. Another Henry Clay episode. Yeah, and some more to read. <laughs> There's definitely some more to read. They should hit that like 1.5, you know, you can do on your phone. Oh, and just get Where through the talk, reading part? Yeah, well, uh, just a little faster. And then go to 1.0 no, 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 for no, 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 the commentary? Yeah, you can go. Yeah, ah, two, go 2.0. Yeah. That way you could do two go 2 of these now. podcasts uh-huh. in the time that you could have done. Like, oh, you mean people one? listening? Right. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I guess. Okay. You, you can squeeze more in yeah. all the time by doing that. It'll be twice as not funny as before. Or you could slow it down to 0. .75. You could slow it down. And it would be twice as funny mm-hmm. as ever before. Well, Oh, it'd be a snooze fest. <laughs> I speed it up sometimes. I do speed it up sometimes. I don't like not that. for I, us. I, I don't. I like all the pauses and yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a 1.5 kind of guy. <laughs> okay. I, I've heard some people say that you, if you really concentrate, you can do like three or four uh-huh. times. If it's really gets going, <laughs> that just seems like it'd be a lot. Well, some people talk fast, but when they do, it's like it's almost you don't want to give people too much time. To get bored. That must be and it. And to talk a little bit faster than like the human brain can calculate, which is fast. <laughs> That's pretty fast. So what's Henry Clay most known for? I don't know. In what your did mind? He, um, being famous. <laughs> being famous. Running for president a lot. Uh, did he? Oh, yeah. He's a statesman from he those days. Time, was yeah. he a senator or something like that? He was Speaker of the House. He yeah. was a senator. He was a Secretary of State. He pretty much did everything except president. He liked to compromise on even number years. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So he, did ra- he, ran a lo- he ran a lot. Um, yeah. Who beat him? He lost to Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. He also lost to John Quincy Adams. Hmm. And uh, let's see, he also lost, I think he lost to uh, Polk, maybe there at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> enough. Henry, nobody likes you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, he, he ran a lot. He yeah. ran a lot. No, he's great. And he... his whole thing was he said he would rather be right than president. Well, sure. What else do you say when you lose all the time? <laughs> <laughs> right. I have my dignity intact, sir. So then he made his biggest mark in Congress uh-huh. since he did, couldn't become president. And he did. He was a, he was a big legacy. They, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this or not, but you know how at, at March they do brackets for the NCAA yeah. tournament? He invented brackets? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they did this with <laughs> legislators and turned it loose to a bunch of historians oh, yeah? to, to rank them. Oh, Okay. And, Oh, it's, I see. I see. A, historians are weird. Got I don't it know now. What this <laughs> so this is right. This is the bracket. This is like the um, what's it called? Your fantasy. Yeah. Fantasy statesmanly. Fantasy legislature. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So Henry Clay comes out on number one. No, no. He was the national champion of just on Congress, Congress work. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number one of all time in the historians' brackets. Number one. What was it exactly? Number one. What? 
legislator, I guess. Just legislator. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Number well, one for legislator. Him. And so this was the second of the two big compromises that we're going to look at here. The first was 1820, even number of years, like you say. We're going to do two today? No, only the 1850. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so this was the second one. The second I one see. Is, All right. Mm-hmm. Is 1850. And this is, is this where his writing? The, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I keep interrupting. No, it's good. Okay. So this is the second of those two compromises, and he's in the twilight of his career at this point. And so he's kind of like, the adult in the room there at the end. Because when you hit the 1850s, there's something just kind of special about 1850. It's like you switch this gear. Huh. And you're really heading towards the Civil War. Oh, it got sped up then. Yeah, people had mentioned it as far back as the 30s, the 1830s. But here it just really seems like it's accelerating. Uh And this is going to be that last really big chance to try to head that off. Well, why is it accelerating? Is it because of new states coming in? We just call it sectionalism, but that is yeah. part of it. Every time you add a new state, right. there's this argument about, is this going to be a free state or a slave state? And what you're really arguing about, it's not that. Uh-huh. The secret is you're arguing about the U.S. Senate. Yes. Because if you bring in a slave state, right. that's two senators. Uh-huh. They're going to vote with the South on everything else. Yeah. Makes and sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's really what's going on. Okay. And that's the same thing here. The crisis is California wants to become a state. And so then the solution is going to be the Compromise of 1850. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about California then. Okay. Because I just feel like asking a lot of questions lately. That's cool. And I know that some of these things that people are wondering, like, okay, California is way out there, obviously. Yes. Uh, it's as far west as you can go, continental. So why did that develop into needing to be a state before everything in the middle? Is it gold? Is it because it's on yeah. the coast? Or we we did we t- we won it, I guess, in a battle? The How did California get in it? Yeah. yeah it's the, the gold. The, then, the gold right? rush. Because one of the big things is you have to have – you have to meet a certain population threshold okay. to apply for statehood. Ah, there we and go. And so they short-circuited that whole system. They were way ahead of a lot of places uh, that that were older, maybe, just because they suddenly had the population. Okay, and, and they so need representation. They want, yeah, they yeah. they want in. They're going to become part of the of the of the states. And now we're back to that same argument, because if you do that, then the North gets two senators, uh-huh. and the people in the South definitely don't want the North getting extra senators, right? Because then the theory is they're going to vote to overturn slavery at some point, and right there you go. So that's that's the thing. We got to have a deal now, if we don't want to fight the war in 1850. <laughs> Let's <laughs> postpone this war. <laughs> and that's what it, that that is the legacy of Clay is. This is seen as kicking that can down the road a whole decade, uh-huh. and that's seen as a success in avoiding the war. So let's look here. He he wants to give a speech defending this, and there's a lot of controversial parts to it. The, the controversial stuff is they're going to have a, a new fugitive slave law that makes it easier to return slaves mm-hmm. who have run away. Part of it is they're going to abolish the slave trade in Washington, D.C. Because there had been right. – Washington, D.C. is in a southern place. Mm-hmm. It's between Virginia and Maryland. And so they, the abolitionists wanted to get rid of the slave trade in the capital, you know, not in my capital kind of mm-hmm. thing. So you take all these measures together and then everybody's upset. 
That's compromise, right? Everybody's well, ticked yeah, off. Yeah, not every. Uh huh. Uh, well, the, I mean, the compromise should make you a little bit happy. A little. Once happy, done. Right? Yeah, yeah, a little happy is, is probably the best you could hope for. So now he's going to come in and defend this. So is he talking to Congress? Yes. Okay. So we're and and really to the nation at large, the the way it reads, be reprinted, it's, yeah. it's kind of maybe even above Congress's pay grade, but specifically Congress. It has been objected against this measure, the Compromise of 1850, that it is a compromise. Mm-hmm. So people have a problem with it because it's a compromise, he yeah. says. It has been said that it is a compromise of principle or of a principle. Mr. President, what is a compromise? Here's where he takes you to school. Okay. What is a compromise? It is a work of mutual concession, an agreement in which there are reciprocal stipulations, a work in which for the sake of peace and concord, one party abates his extreme demands in consideration (laughs) of an abatement of extreme demands by the other party. Exactly. Hey, dummy, this is what a compromise is. Yeah. That's what we're shooting for. (laughs) It is a measure of mutual Mutual. concession. Yeah, you're going to give up some things, too. Right. A measure of mutual sacrifice. So you're in it together. Right. This should bring you closer together, he says. Mm -hmm. Undoubtedly, Mr. President, in all such measures of compromise, one party would be very glad to get what he wants and reject what he does not desire, but which the other party wants. But when it comes to reflect that from the nature of the government and its operations, and from those with whom he is dealing, it is necessary upon his part, in order to secure what he wants, to grant something to the other side, he should be reconciled to the concession which he has made in consequence of the concession which he is to receive, if there is no great principle involved, such as a violation of the Constitution." So, you know, give uh-huh. and get. Yeah. Give <laughs> yeah, and get. This is, I mean, I guess when you're at the end of your, I mean, your career and you've seen this for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. I guess he's sort of just tired of the the yeah. one-sidedness of things. Right, yeah. Right? Like that's, and that's why he's the great compromise. Mm-hmm. It's me. It's I'm Henry. <laughs> of course it's a compromise. <laughs> I'm standing here. <laughs> I admit that such a compromise as that ought never to be sanctioned or adopted, the one that violates the Constitution. But I now call upon any senator in his place uh, to point out from the beginning to the end, from California to New Mexico, a solitary provision in this bill which is violative of the Constitution. So it's not like that. You don't have a reason to to disapprove of this because it's unconstitutional. It's completely constitutional, he says. So you throw that out of consideration. The responsibility of this great measure passes from the hands of the committee and from my hands. They know, and I know, that it is an awful and tremendous responsibility. I hope that you will meet it with a just conception and a true appreciation of its magnitude and the magnitude of the consequences that may ensue from your decision one way or the other. The alternatives, I fear, which the measure presents, are concord and increased discord. A servile civil war originating in its causes on the lower Rio Grande and terminating possibly in its consequences on the upper Rio Grande and the Santa Fe country 
or the restoration of harmony and fraternal kindness. So, do you want a war, or do you want <laughs> harmony and kindness? Yeah. Con- uses concord. We don't use that word anymore. We use discord, but we don't use concord. We only use concord in terms of uh, Heath and Concord Elementary. Yeah, it's a proper noun, yeah. concord. <laughs> I believe from the bottom of my soul that the measure is the reunion of this union. And there's the union, capital U, union. I believe it is the dove of peace. Now, here's where we're going to do our rhetorical flourish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's a master at that too. We've seen that before on this very program. I believe it is the dove of peace, which taking its aerial flight from oh. the dome of the capital, carries the glad <laughs> tidings of assured peace and restored harmony to all the remotest extremities of this distracted land. I believe that it will be attended with all these beneficent effects. And now let us discard all resentment all passions, all petty jealousies, all personal desires, all love of place, sectionalism, all hankerings after the gilded crumbs which <laughs> fall from the table of power. Uh-huh. That's cool, right? The yeah, gilded crumbs which fall sentence. from the table of power? Yeah. I got like a, that. Yeah, it is. I like that sentence. He's got a hankering for it. A hankering. <laughs> That's it. Also kind of Kentucky, right? Yeah. Hankering. Uh-huh. I don't know that I've heard that outside of the state. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard it on commercials and things like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let us go to the limpid fountain of unadulterated patriotism. I think I ate there last week. You ate at unadulterated patriotism? <laughs> yeah. You ate at the fountain? I ate at the fountain of unadulterated patriotism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's a new restaurant down on uh, Broadway. Edible food, edible water? Or? <laughs> right. And performing a solemn lustration, return all, return divested of all selfish, sinister, and sordid impurities, and think alone of our God, our country, our consciences, yes. and our glorious union. Okay. Uh, so it's now a we, bird. Now I'm going to drink from patriotism. <laughs> I think here we're laying on the guilt pretty thick, right? Yeah. Think of God, think of country, think of your conscience, think of the union. That union without which we shall be torn into hostile fragments and sooner or later become the victims of military despotism or foreign domination. Sooner or later. And that's the thing about the union, right? That's the whole thing about Lincoln. You know, why yes, Lincoln wants to that save word. the union. Yeah, it's right. We don't need to be messing around with this. We're united. Yeah, and, and the alternative to that is you become conquered mm-hmm. because then you're, let's say, uh, in today's lingo, 50 little countries yeah, right. that are going to be conquered one by one. Mm-hmm. So we don't want that. Well, you become weaker. You become a target, too. Right. Yeah. Divided we fall, as they say. Mr. President, what is an individual man? An atom almost invisible Without a magnifying glass? What do you mean almost invisible? <laughs> what do you mean man? Did yeah. they know about atoms back then? Here's a science uh, question. Yeah, yeah. They did? Yeah, so we know that, that, that things are made of smaller things. Yes, here. we do. We do. So it's a we scientific thing. Uh, did they know it thing. in 1850? I, I would believe so because that's Evidently, the only way he'd be able to that's mention a little it. Sur- I don't know when they came up with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone saw it. And here we're going to wax poetic a little bit. 
Uh-huh. Wax away. So, so what is an individual man? An atom almost invisible without a magnifying glass. A mere speck upon the surface of the immense universe. Not a second in time compared to the immeasurable, never-beginning, and never-ending eternity. A drop of water in the great deep, which evaporates and is borne off by the winds. A grain of sand, which is soon gathered to the dust from which it sprung. Shall a being so small, mm-hmm. so petty, so fleeting, so evanescent, opposite itself to the onward march of a great nation, which is to subsist of ages and ages to come, oppose itself to that long line of posterity, mm-hmm. which issuing from our loins, yes, posterity does issue from your loins. Issue it. That's my posture? <laughs> well, I'm sitting on my loins right now. <laughs> my posture's not so good. It's these chairs. I blame the chairs. Yeah. Todd, so now, get us some new chairs. So now he's, he's saying, like, first, you're, you know, be patriotic, but also, guess what? You don't matter enough to even mess around yeah. with this union. Yeah, yeah. Your personal feelings you're, versus yeah. the country. You're a speck. <laughs> right. Senator <laughs> or Mr. President or the President of the Senate. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you're just a speck. Wow. Let us look to our country and our cause, elevate ourselves to the dignity of pure and disinterested patriots, and save our country from all impending dangers. What if, in the march of this nation to greatness and power, we should be buried beneath the wheels that propel it onward? Uh-huh. So what if... What if you, who actually make up the nation, destroy the nation? Mm-hmm. What are we, what is any man worth who is not ready and willing to sacrifice himself for the benefit of his country when it is necessary? And now we've got to be specific. Yeah, he's being a little bit uh, hyperbolic here, I think. Yes, yeah. A little We're, much. A little more flourish, right? <laughs> but that's how the 19th century oratory is. Yeah. I call upon all the South... Sir, we have had hard words, bitter words, bitter thoughts, unpleasant feelings toward each other in the progress of this great measure. Let us forget them. Yeah. Let us sacrifice these feelings. Let us go to the altar of our country and swear, as the oath was taken of old, that we will stand by her, that we support her, that we will uphold her constitution, that we will preserve her union that we will pass the great comprehensive and healing system of measures mm-hmm. which will hush all the jarring elements and bring peace and tranquility to our homes. So you kind of like that. He kind of like works you up there a little bit. And mm-hmm. then let us forget all this. Yeah. <laughs> He's good now. He's good. Let me, Mr. President, in conclusion say that the most disastrous consequences would occur, in my opinion, were we to go home. Do nothing to satisfy and tranquilize the country upon these great questions. You know, why would we uh, have this thing stall out and then go on a recess? Mm-hmm. We don't want to do that. Well, that must be uh, like well, he's standing to prevent that then. Looks like, like they it. almost just left it there. Yeah, and you always could. You could, you could you know, not have enough votes to get something through or whatever. Yeah. What will be the judgment of mankind? What the judgment of the portion of mankind who are looking upon the progress of this scheme of self-government as being that which holds the highest hopes and expectations of ameliorating the condition of mankind. What will their judgment be? 
Will not all the monarchs of the old world pronounce our glorious republic a disgraceful failure? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. When we, when we made America, people in Europe were laughing about that. Mm-hmm. Self-rule. You're let the people. No king. <laughs> yeah, no king. Like, what are you, you going to do without some sort of king? Exactly. <laughs> must right. have someone. <laughs> someone uh, blue-blooded. Yes. Will you go home and leave all in disorder and confusion, all unsettled, all open? The contentions and agitations of the past will be increased and augmented by the agitations resulting from our neglect to decide them. Sir, we shall stand condemned by all human judgment below. And of that above, it is not for me to speak. I have been aware that its passage for many days was not absolutely certain. From the first to the last, I hoped and believed it would pass. Because from the first to the last, I believed it was founded on the principles of just and righteous concession. Of mutual conciliation. So right now we're back to that again. It's a compromise. You don't get everything right. you want. You don't. You have to give up a little something. Yeah. And then you can get a little something. I believe that it deals unjustly by no part of the Republic, that it saves their honor, and as far as it is dependent upon Congress, saves the interest of all quarters of the country. But, sir, I have known that the decision of its fate depended upon four or five votes in the Senate of the United States. The Senate's always like that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It always comes down to those last couple of people. Will they hop on board or not? Need a pencil. So the Brent. Senate. Yeah, I do need a pencil. Where in the heck did that thing go? <laughs> Let the moment the go. Four or five for only votes so in the Senate, whose ultimate judgment we could not count upon one side or the other with absolute certainty. Its fate is now committed to the Senate, and those uh-huh. four, uh, five, or six votes to which I have referred, it may be defeated. Mm-hmm. It is possible that for the chastisement of our sins and transgressions, the rod of providence may be still applied to us may be still suspended over us. But if defeated, it will be a triumph of ultraism and impracticability. A triumph of a most extraordinary conjunction of extremes. Yes. But they did pass it, right? Yes. It became law. Okay. It was controversial. It remained controversial, especially certain parts of it. Mm-hmm. However, it is seen as a success simply because the whole question is buried for another decade. Yeah. And that's the compromise. And you're drawing comparisons to this, I think, at the beginning, until we can learn some lessons about this now, then. I think so. Yeah, you think? So I'll start first. Huh? And And I'll listen quietly while you characterize our current condition. Yes, our current condition. So (laughs) the extremity on both sides that he talks about? Uh Uh-huh. Give up a little... Get a little. When did that become impossible? When did that become like? It seems like it not just all strong. of a sudden happened. Right? Yeah, like, like, like some isn't point, that the point of majority rule? Isn't that the point of having a Congress? Is that you know they vote? So if you lost, you know you lost your bill because it got uh, uh, outvoted. That's okay. You lost your bill. See what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just refusing everything to make a compromise to make the bill go through. I right. think I want all that I want. I want all my stuff. I want everything. So if I've got to give up a little bit to get part of that or most of it, why not? 
Uh, that was supposed to be the system. And That's it, the system. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it's really funny because it was kind of like in the 90s. Would it really have mattered if Dole had beaten Clinton? Would the government have been so different? Because I don't think so. Well, uh, how is that related to uh, a vote or a compromise? Well, I mean, just, just uh, you mean they didn't get what they want? And, yeah, and extremity and whatever, and like you know. Oh, you're saying it seemed okay. like the, the parties did work together. So even back then, it was yeah, of course, yeah, it's not you know, nearly as contentious or even Clinton and Gingrich uh, worked together. Yeah, I've just flat out refused to participate um, if I don't get all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a few lessons. When are that, you gonna run? Um, that'll be 2028. I think you... 2028. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to wait my turn. <laughs> Get to 200 uh, episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, that's too bad. But that uh, when you're a little kid and you learn about America, that's, that's kind of the way it's put to you. It's an understanding that we're all going to work together. And uh, it doesn't always go your way, but... Uh, it's different. It's different in that sense. And I, like you said, they were laughing at us. But um, even the name, you know, the name is the United States. It's not like a single name. You call it America, but America's continent. Right. We're the states on the continent. That's a deep point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's one of those ghostly Americans. <laughs> and I think at that point, yeah. uh, that's our exclamation point, and we'll pay a few bills. Pay those bills. So Compromise is brought to you in this part of the program by Grape Nuts. <laughs> grape Nuts. Grape Nuts. A certain man knew he could do a big thing, but he couldn't digest the food necessary to keep him in bodily health to do the work. He needed carbohydrates that supply energy, heat, and strength. Potash that restore worn-out brain and nerves. Oh, my brain is so worn out. <laughs> He knew. I need some potash around, you know what I'm saying? Of course. Who couldn't go Pot without potash? Ash. He knew all these food elements are found in grains, but his poor, broken-down stomach couldn't digest them. Hmm. He had that common complaint, starch indigestion. <laughs> so he set to study and in two years perfected scientific grape nuts, oh. food in which Sci all the starches of barley are... Are mechanically pre-digested. Yeah. Until the weakest stomach can get from them uh, all of all of what they need from nature. <laughs> he proved it by rebuilding himself first, and his On reward. Grape nuts? Yes, <laughs> his reward was a restored body and brain. <laughs> when yes. He, when he put grape nuts on the market, the public, advised by thinking physicians, recognized those scientific claims, and now grape nuts is the most scientific food in the world. It is. There's a reason. Think it over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you ever think of so grape nuts no. being the most scientific food in the world? I forget about grape nuts for like five, ten years at a time. Right. I mean, that's fine. This is an ad for like, a, the, the, I guess, the introduction of that cereal. Do you eat these little broken shards of rock? Because, I mean, they're tough. <laughs> you got to really commit your teeth. I'm more of a raisin and some of your gum kind of guy. <laughs> to, to grape nuts. I, or at least as a kid, I remember thinking, what, why would anybody eat this, Grandma? This is hard. You know what I thought would be great, and then I hated it? It was shredded wheat. I saw the, the I saw the little frosting part of it, and yeah, I thought, okay, part. I can eat that bale of hay. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not that good. <laughs> no, it was bad. 
Yeah, and grape nuts too just always seemed really. I think that's the. Yeah, wonder why it's grape. Must have been was no it grape idea. flavored then? Then they just got rid of it. I mean, that <laughs> yeah, word is not just, just accidentally plain. there though. Yeah, grape I nuts. I get the nuts. They're like nuts. Maybe they're so hard you could actually use it as grape in a cannon. Grape. You know, <laughs> shoot it out. I don't know. There's got to be a reason, but it's got a good name. It does say there's a reason in the tagline. So, it does? Yeah. Did I miss it? Uh, it's About kind of grapes? cut off there. It says, oh, uh, it says there's a reason. Think it over there at the end. <laughs> okay. <It doesn't> <laughs> if you're wondering why we called it grape, there is no reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, I like, the, I like the food ones. Yeah, they're fun. We've now turned to the final page of this chapter. We turned. Hold we up. Turned Wait, Eva. Two more episodes. Oh yeah, of course we have two more. We got two more episodes, yeah. including to the, the end, uh, the, the big, the big finale. finale where we finally duke it out. Uh, yes. Uh huh. The <laughs> duel. We've never fought in a duel. We solemnly swear, right? Isn't that what you said decades uh, ago? Yeah. We started this Kentucky podcast in yeah. 1958. <laughs> right. And ever ever since then, we do one or two episodes a year, and now we're almost getting up there to 100. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You can epi- you can download all those episodes dating back to the mid fifties <laughs> oh, on iTunes there. or the NPR One app, other places as well. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. It actually does help. We we like to see those things, even when you criticize us. We've seen a few of those, but that's okay. It's it's just fine. I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> Special thanks to WKMS, our producer Todd Birdsong, the Paducah School of Art and Design. West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history.